BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be looking ahead to Arsenal's Premier League clash with Fulham coming up in around about 24 hours' time at the time of recording. Emirates Stadium is the venue. Fulham are the visitors, and the Gunners are looking to make it four out of four at the start of the season. Really, really looking forward to this one. And for me, it's going to be my first home game of the season as a fan, watching it as a fan. I was at the Leicester City game, but I was working. Um, I was doing live radio updates on BBC Radio London and sort of doing the off-air commentary as well. And yeah, you can still enjoy it. And yeah, you're grateful to be there. And I'm so grateful that I get to do this as a job. But There's nothing quite like going down to the stadium a little bit early, having a couple of drinks with your friends, uh, getting into the mood, getting into the the kind of vibe of it all, and then going into the game, enjoying the game, being able to say what you want, do what you want, uh, within reason, of course, um, and just enjoying the game like a fan. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. And obviously, all my friends that I kind of sit with and sit close to that I hadn't seen over the summer uh, because of the fact that we weren't at the stadium. Well, I haven't seen them. So looking forward to to getting there again and, and saying hello to everyone and uh, getting back to normal service. So, yeah, really, really looking forward to tomorrow's game in particular for those reasons, as, as well as what I'm hoping to see on the pitch as well. On this episode, we're going to be touching on Mikel Arteta's press conference, which he gave earlier today. We're going to be talking about the starting lineup I expect to see. We'll be talking a little bit about Fulham and the way they've started the season, the threat that they pose, in particular, Alexander Mitrovic. We'll be talking about how best to deal with him. We'll be taking some of your questions as well from the live chat box. There is lots and lots to get into. But before we dive right into the thick of it. I want to say a few hellos to people in the chat. Big hello uh, to Henry Guna, who says, uh, good evening, H. 3-1 tomorrow, but it's not going to be easy. We need Gabby at his best to deal with that geezer that you look nothing like. <laughs> Just don't see it, he says. North London forever. Come on, you gunners. Yeah, look, if you've missed the joke, apparently I'm Alexander Mitrovic's twin brother, uh, according to a lot of people. <laughs> I even got it on TalkSport yesterday. You might have seen uh, the clip on the channel. Uh, big hello to Daniel, who says, hello, Harry. 
aka Alexander. There you go. He's put Alexandra, but I think he meant Alexander. Uh, Ayush continues the theme by saying, Mitrovic, please don't score against us tomorrow. I still don't understand why you have an Arsenal-themed YouTube channel. Uh, big hello to Mark as well, to Nav, uh, to Lynn, uh, to Christian, um, to Tommy, uh, to Shayla Library Television, whose actual name is Ingrid, um, but he's on on the work account. Uh, big hello uh, to Ingrid, who joins us from Pittsburgh uh, in the USA. Uh, Ingrid says, first time chatter, new follower. Welcome. Um, a big welcome to you. Welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna family. Great to have you here. Uh, she says she's mad about Arsenal and wild about Harry. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate you being here and uh, look forward to you uh, joining the family moving forward. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Bo says, uh, Harry, you're looking better these days. Thank you very much, mate. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, big hello to Ollie, to Amira, to John, to Steve, uh, to Angel, to Kingsley, to Ishe, um, and to uh, Reese, who says, uh, hey, Harry, I'm a silent appreciator of the show here. Thought I'd reach out to say thank you for the great, consistent content and long may it continue. Reese. Thank you so, so much, mate. Really, really do appreciate it. Big hello to Sam as well. Also want to say a big shout out to Tom Canton, good friend of the show. Tom from the Guna Talk TV. We do lots of crossover work together, as you guys will know. Tom's a great lad, a great guy, and he's getting married today. So I just wanted to send him uh, some best wishes from uh, Chronicles of Aguna HQ over to Tom. I told him yesterday it's still not too late, but he's going ahead with it anyway, as far as I know. <laughs> I hope you have a good one, mate. Uh, congratulations to you and, of course, the missus. All right, let's get into it then. And let's start with Mikel Arteta's press conference, which, as I mentioned, took place earlier on today, 11 a.m., because, of course, the Europa League draw was scheduled to take place just after it. We brought you some reaction to that Europa League draw, which you can find on the feed. It is the last episode available to you. Um, maybe we'll touch on that again a little bit later on, but let's touch on some of the other parts of the press conference. Mikel Arteta, of course, asked if there were any transfer updates, to which he replied, not right now. He didn't want to be drawn on that. He didn't want to discuss uh, Arsenal's plans. And of course, he was asked about Nicolas Pepe, whose loan move to Nice was confirmed uh, just yesterday. Mikel Arteta said it was the best decision for everybody. But I, I don't like the way that's been put across by some of the outlets that have reported on it since. And what I mean by that is the way they've kind of reported it, the way they've headlined it, the way they've titled it. And listen, I'm in the game. I know the game. I know you need to generate clicks. I know you need to generate interest in an article, in a piece of content, whatever. But I do urge you, if you have seen that headline around with, with Arteta saying it was the best decision um, to let Nicolas Pepe go, then please do read the article or listen to or watch the content because actually it wasn't really meant in that context. And I feel a little bit sorry for Nicolas Pepe because he has been somebody that people have mocked somebody that people have been really critical of and and somebody who's been held to standards that he was just never, ever going to meet. And he's got his move away. He gets to go and play football, as I've said time and time again now, with a smile on his face. Hopefully he can get back to doing what he does best. Let's just be happy for him. We don't need to try and generate clicks by being, I think, a little bit cheeky with the headline. I know, again, it's the game. We all do it. 
We all have to do it to a degree um, to get clicks and to get traffic. That's that's how this game works. But I'm not saying that that is necessarily the issue, the title, but please do read the piece before assuming that Mikel Arteta sat in front of the press today and gave this angry tirade about why it was good that Nicolas Pepe has been moved on. What he said was, we figured out that it was the best decision for everybody. He also mentioned that Nicolas Pepe was really pushing for the move. He also um, talked about the fact that, you know, he, he said there was one comment that he made. And, and as I heard it, I thought, oh, my God, where this is, where is this going? And this is definitely going to get picked up as like a soundbite and as a, a strap line. And it was something along the lines of he hasn't contributed as much as we'd have liked. But then he follows it up with in terms of minutes. And I think that part is really, really important because when he first said we, he hasn't contributed, I, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but it was along those lines. My first reaction was, oh my God, Mikko, what are you doing? Shut up. <laughs> so thankfully, he kind of redeemed that comment a little bit later on. But yeah, look, we've spoken about it before. It is the best move for everybody. It is something that works for everybody. Um, and obviously, off the back of the Nicolas Pepe chat, there was a question. I think it was from Charles Watts. I couldn't see who was asking the question, but I'm pretty sure it was Charles Watts who said, Something, again, I'm paraphrasing, along the lines of, well, now that Nicolas Pepe's gone, Arsenal fans will assume that you're going to look to replace him in the squad. Is that is that right? Is that fair? Is that accurate? And Mikel Arteta didn't rule out the possible acquisition of a winger between now and the transfer deadline. He said, look, we've, we've had a plan. We knew that Nicolas Pepe leaving was a realistic part of that plan. Uh, we knew that it was a possibility. Now it is the reality that Nicolas Pepe has moved on. And so if we can implement our plan, if we can do essentially what we've planned to do or what we want to do, then we will try to do it. But it again kind of reiterates the message and the point that we've been being fed, I guess, over the last couple of weeks. And that is that if the right opportunity was to present itself, if the right deal was to come along, Arsenal would be more than open to doing it. But they're not going to be knee-jerk. And they've shown us that they're not going to be knee-jerk over the last 12, 18 months now. People wanted us to be knee-jerk in January. And you could still make the case and the argument that maybe not signing someone, um, you know, was, was detrimental to our top four challenge in the end. But it's because Arsenal weren't knee-jerk that they didn't do it. But it's also because Arsenal weren't knee-jerk that they've been able to go quite big again in the transfer window, despite not being in the Champions League and despite not having the revenue that comes with that. So, yeah, I mean, the, the message has been pretty consistent, hasn't it, from those who report and cover Arsenal very closely. And, of course, from Mikel Arteta, if the right deal comes along, if the right player is available, hell yeah, let's do it. Let's go and get it done. But if it doesn't, then we're going to make do with what we got and we've got to focus on what we've got. I've said this time and time again, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't bring in a winger, just based on the options that we have at the moment. We've got, um, you know, we've got Bukayo Saka there. We've got Smith-Rowe Martinelli, who Mikel Arteta will think can play from that side. Although not ideal, we've seen that he prefers right footers to play from the left and vice versa, but it is an option. And also Fabio Vieira, who I expect will probably make his early Arsenal appearances from, from the right-hand side or from the left-hand side. I don't expect him to play as the number eight uh, from the off 
I don't think there's any reason to take Granit Xhaka out of the side. And I think Zinchenko would still probably be preferred as the backup option to Granit Xhaka in that area. So, yeah, um, let's see. Let's see. Um, he was also asked about Hector Bellerin specifically and his future. Because, of course, he's been linked with that move back to Real Betis throughout the duration of the summer. And up until now, nothing has materialised. Now, we understand that that's because of financial reasons, because Real Betis are unable to make that deal happen financially. They're unable to meet Arsenal's demands. We know that Hector Bellerin would be open and willing to taking a big wage cut, which he's going to have to do if he moves to Spain. We've heard recently of an interest from Barcelona. And we've also been told that Hector Bellerin isn't adverse to that idea. He wouldn't be against going back to Barcelona. But um, again, Mikel Arteta refused to be drawn on him specifically and said that there are a number of players at the club whose futures are being discussed. And we'll see what happens between now uh, and the end of the window. So, yeah. Um, that's the press conference bit. Let's quickly uh, jump over to the comments again, just quickly before we continue through the show. Uh, this is a really interesting comment, and it's why I wanted to highlight it from Christian, who says, Harry, did you find it odd that Pepe never did any interviews? There was no song for him and there was no connection for the fans. Did that play a part? I guess you mean in in sort of the fan feeling towards him and, and the kind of narrative around him. Nicolas Pepe's English when he arrived wasn't good. Um, you know, and and even in the latter stages, of his Arsenal career, you could quite often hear Mikel Arteta speaking to him in French, which suggests to me that his English still maybe wasn't at the level that it needed to be. He seems like a really shy character. Some people just don't like sitting in front of the camera. Some people just don't like uh, being in the spotlight. Some people feel uncomfortable and awkward in those situations. So I don't want to say that it's a fault of Nicolas Pepe's because there are a lot of players in the squad that we very rarely hear from. Ultimately, though, with the song thing and with the connection to the fans, if you if you perform on the pitch, that comes naturally, doesn't it? The songs will get sung. The songs will get made, put together. Um, the, the connection will be there. Other players build connections in other ways by being certain types of characters, um, you know, by doing other things. Nicolas Pepe... Yeah, that bond wasn't there. I agree with you in in that sort of overall point. Could he have been pushed into doing a little bit more to try and mend that? I don't know. I think Arsenal have got a lot better in the last year or so at pushing the PR train um, and, and, and sort of trying to build those relationships that way. But as I've always said with Nicolas Pepe, from the day Mikel Arteta took over, he's not his player. And if he didn't particularly warm to the player and if he didn't particularly feel that he was someone that was going to take us forward and someone that he needed to build around then naturally his focus won't be there his focus would be on getting the best out of the players that he does see as part of the future and managers tend to favor the players that they themselves bring in don't they so yeah um look, I'm sure he was um I'm sure he was sung about at times I'm sure you know, he, he got the adulation he deserved at times, but ultimately he didn't really work with Nicolas Pepe and he, he's moved on now and um, and we wish him all the best. Will he be back at Arsenal next season? I, I suspect it will be one of those where he returns and then we're trying very quickly to move him back out the door. But hopefully he has a positive uh, spell with Nice. Aaron Ramsey's there as well. 
And uh, if that materialises, if he does have a good spell, then it makes it much easier for him to get the move away that he probably wants and for us to get something in for a player whom we invested really big money on. Uh, big shout out to Match Quiz as well, who says, Hi, Harry, can I get a shout out? Long time watcher. And I've just made a new channel. It's got football quizzes uh, on the channel. Would you give it a shout out? Would appreciate the support. Absolutely, mate. Big shout out to you. Make sure uh, you get over to the Match Quiz channel and check out the fantastic content over there. Thank you so much, mate, uh, for your support as well of the Chronicles of Aguna. Let's take a couple more of these questions. Um, and then we'll we'll get back to the Fulham game specifically. Ayush says, Harry, I think the Europa group stage shouldn't be too much of an issue, but I'm more concerned of the teams dropping out of the UCL, Barca, Inter, Ajax, Napoli. Yeah, of course. Um, but you've got to beat those teams if you want to win the Europa League. That's the way the competition goes now. Um, the group stage should be something that we can navigate with relative ease, I'd imagine. And then, yeah, as you say, it gets serious, doesn't it? Um Harvey says, uh, Harry, not sure you read my comment about future content, but I'd like you to talk about Arsenal's history. I think you would do great, interesting work around that. But I understand it's a lot of work. No, listen, it, yeah, it is a lot of work, but I appreciate um, the uh, the suggestion, the idea, and I am literally making a note of it on my pad in front of me now. Uh, because as I've talked to you guys recently, we have got a new membership platform coming and we are going to want to do all different types of comment uh, content there. And I want that content to be led in terms of the ideas. Obviously, I'll do my own things as well that I feel I can do a good job of. But I do want uh, you guys' suggestions and thoughts on that as well. Uh, OK, look, let's get back to the Fulham game. And then we will uh, jump back into the questions towards the back end of the show. Um, in terms of my lineup, in terms of the team I want to see selected by Mikel Arteta to face Fulham, Surprise, surprise. Once again, I don't want to see any changes, which means I want to see Arsenal line up as follows. Ramsdale in goal, Saliba and Gabriel at centre-back with White and Zinchenko playing from either side. Partey in the midfield with Odegaard and Xhaka either side of him. Martinelli, who's in excellent form from the left. Saka from the right and Gabriel Jesus through the middle. That is how I would like to see this side line up on Saturday. Why don't I want to make any changes? Well, I don't think you need to change a winning team. And what we have at the moment is competition for places in a lot of areas. You know, Kieran Tierney will be chomping at the bit. Takahiro Tomiyasu too. We've got um, the likes of Fabio Vieira, Emile Smith-Rowe, all sort of ready to come into the team when called upon and have an impact. But nobody in that starting eleven that I'm showing you on the screen and that I've just talked you through is worthy of losing their place, uh, deserves, I should say, to lose their place. So why make those changes? We've got people ready to come on and impact games. And that is helpful and more so than ever when you're now allowed to make five substitutes. But the competition is, is only healthy if you keep it healthy. And, and what I mean by that is... It only stays healthy if you make sure that you're fair and that when people do get their chance in the team, they understand and recognise that, hold on, I could be out on my ass here next week if I don't turn it on and if I don't perform. And that when I lose my spot, it's going to be very difficult to get it back again. That's how you make players appreciate the competition. That's how you make players appreciate 
their role in the team and, and and the starts ultimately, right? So these guys have all earned it because they've won every single game so far. You couldn't ask for much more than that. Four goals against Leicester, three at Bournemouth, and of course, a couple of goals on the opening weekend as well. We're scoring goals. We conceded a couple against Leicester, but when you look at the nature of them, I mean, the first one was incredibly unfortunate, an own goal from William Saliba, avoidable, of course. And the second one was probably the only real lapse we had defensively, just allowing James Madison to come on the outside. But then obviously Aaron Ramsdale ultimately making the mistake because from that position, Madison should never score. But yeah, um, you know, I, I know people are talking about sort of um, the five subs, the rotation, all of that. And, and 33 fivers makes a, a great point, says... I wouldn't look at losing places. I'm looking at it as rotation because we have a game on Wednesday as well. Yeah, but at this point in the season, three, four games into the season, I wouldn't say that people need rotating really. We've only been playing once a week up until now. The way I look at it is you start the game with your best team. And right now the best team is the team that's been winning games. And then you you look to save players you look to save fitness, you look to save energy, conserve energy by using and utilizing the five substitutions that we all in the Premier League now have available to us. So that's the way I'd look at it. I'd start with this team and then I'd look to remove people, get people off, give people a breather. Um, you know, when, when, if the game state allows us to do that. You know, playing on Saturday and playing on Wednesday, it's not the end of the world. Like, we're going to have a much tougher schedule than that once we get into the thick of things. I know what you're saying and what you're suggesting is, is coming from the angle of, well, we should be trying to protect these guys up front to avoid problems later down the line. But I just think when you're on a good run, you want to keep things as similar as possible. That's my opinion and my view. It, it might not be right in a lot of people's eyes, but that's how I read it. Stick with the team that's doing well. Stick with the team that's winning football matches. Make the changes that you can and that the game and the game state allows you to make, you know, and then you reassess and um, and you go again on Wednesday. I mean, if somebody comes off the field, for example, at the end of, of tomorrow's game and is in the red, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, clubs nowadays, they make the players wear those stats vests. I don't know if you've seen them. They look like sports bras. <laughs> um, they, they wear those. They come off the pitch. The team, the medical team, they download their stats. They assess people. And, it, and if someone, you know, for example, is in the red, if there's a risk of them picking up an injury in their next performance, uh, their next outing, etc., then, yeah, by all means, do the rotation. But while everybody's fit and well, uh, which is another thing that Mikel Arteta pointed out in his press conference, no new injury concerns, uh, which is good news then I think you should keep it as is. But yeah, listen, lots of different opinions and everybody is entitled to those opinions. And um, I'm welcoming of hearing uh, those as well. So please do uh, let me know your thoughts in the chat box as well. Hold fire on the questions, though, because I will come to them in just a little bit. But what do we have to be wary of uh, when it comes to Fulham? Now, Lots has been made of Alexander Mitrovic's start to the season. This is a guy who scored 43 goals in the championship last season. 43 league goals. That is pretty incredible. 
again, question marks going into the season around whether or not he could replicate that form or something close to it in the Premier League. Now, I'm not suggesting that he's going to score that many goals. I'm not suggesting that he's going to get anywhere near it. I don't even think he's going to get half of that, if I'm being honest. But it's all relative, right? If you can score 40 in the Championship, can you score 20 in the Premier League? Is that how you see the gap between the two divisions? I don't know. But what I did realise was that Fulham are very reliant on Alexander Mitrovic for goals. And you only need to look at the way they've started the season to work that out. Two goals in the game against Liverpool on the opening weekend, in which they got a very respectable draw. Um, One goal in the game against Brentford, where they drew... Uh, sorry, where they won it 3-2. No goals in the game against Wolves. Obviously, Fulham didn't score that day. But he's got three of their, what? They've got two goals in the Liverpool game, uh, three goals against Brentford. So five goals. He's got three of their five goals so far this season. They are heavily, heavily reliant on Alexander Mitrovic as a goal scorer. And one of the common themes that we've seen so far this season is Alexander Mitrovic drifting out towards the opposition's fullback, right back more often than not, and fancying himself in an aerial duel. There's clearly an instruction from Marco Silva that when Fulham get the ball down the right-hand side, they should look up, they should glance up, they should spot Alexander Mitrovic or trust that Alexander Mitrovic will be hanging around the far post, put the ball into that type of area and you fancy his chances against most fullbacks, don't you? And I'm hoping that because Arsenal tend to play with more of a centre-back profile at right-back, that would deter Alexander Mitrovic from doing that. And I think when he has to play in a more central position, when he doesn't have that, when he can't clearly see that weakness, i.e. a fullback who isn't as strong in the air, I, I don't think he's as effective, is what I'm trying to say. I've gone about it in a, a long-winded way. But the point I'm trying to make is that he has looked at back lines so far this season and gone, yep, you. You're the weak spot. You're the weakness. You're the one, aerially, I fancy my chances against. And invariably, if you watch the aerial duels that Alexander Mitrovic has gone in for inside the penalty area, which is where he does his damage from, you will see that he's been going up against as I say, fullbacks, the weak links in terms of their aerial ability. He's not going to go up purposely against a William Saliba or a Gabriel. And he probably isn't going to try it against Ben White either because of Ben White's profile. The guy's a centre-back. And whether Ben White starts there or Takahiro Tomiyasu starts there, I think pretty much the same applies. So I'm hopeful that we can deal with that particular threat posed by Alexander Mitrovic. My fear is, however that he will think, I know, I'll go out and I'll do it on the other side. I'll identify Zinchenko as the man and I will look at trying to get the better of Alexander Zinchenko. The thing is, though, Arsenal don't often have Zinchenko playing as a conventional fullback in this current system. And so what I'm hoping is that it's more likely that Gabriel will be briefed and informed of what Mitrovic's intentions might be. And he will be the one to go out and confront him if he does take up that position on Fulham's right and Arsenal's left. Going to be really interesting to see how we cope with that. But also, you've got to think nowadays that this Fulham side, who many have tipped to go down, um, you know, have started the season really well. They've added quality. They've added 
guile, creativity to that midfield in the likes of Andreas Pereira, who I think has been a really good signing. Jao Palinha, you could argue, has been one of the standout summer signings in the Premier League. He's been that good. He's brought quality to the table, brings an aerial presence as well, but he's also brought the physicality required in the Premier League to this Fulham side as well. I think they've done a lot of good business. I think they've got a very good manager in Marco Silva, a much better manager than Scott Parker, in my personal opinion. I would back Marco Silva to get it right tactically far more than I would um, than I would Scott Parker. And I think this is going to be a difficult game. But I look at their back line and I feel like it's one we can get at. And I feel like it's one that we can really suffocate with the, um, the new press, with the way that we press, with the sort of five-man pressing line, which I've talked about. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. And I'll just quickly remind you guys what I mean by that. Um, I've talked recently about how the, the shape shift that we see and and we're allowed to do and can do because of the personnel we now have, which sees Partey uh, hold the midfield, White tuck in alongside him, Zinchenko from the other side too, Gabriel and Saliba providing that basis then. But what that does overall is it allows Xhaka and it allows Odegaard to join in with that press in a much more aggressive fashion and in a much more aggressive way. That's a five-man press that I expect to see against Fulham's back four. If we play it right, if we're aggressive enough, and if we can deal with the long direct balls that I expect to see, um, you know, from from them in order to try and uh, avoid this, then, you know, we should be able to suffocate them and we should cause them uh, all sorts of problems. The back four, I expect to be Tete at right back, a player I don't particularly rate. Tosin at centre back, along with Tim Ream and Robinson. It's a back line that you can get at, isn't it? Really, really is. Really is. Um, Burn Leno is probably going to be in goal for them. Uh, that's going to be interesting for him to return to the Emirates so soon 
after his departure. Um, honestly, wish him all the best. I hope he has a great career at Fulham, but not tomorrow, after tomorrow. Um, I, I just You can see it now, can't you? Berlin are having the game of his life, making save after save after save. Um, but fingers crossed, as I say, that isn't the case tomorrow. Wish him all the best after that. But yeah, is what it is. Uh, Bern Leno, of course, in goal. Um, let's go back to the comments before I give you guys uh, my prediction and then and then take some questions. Um, Yarka says, uh, Fulham are tough. Watch out. Yeah, look, we shouldn't take this challenge lightly. You know, we really shouldn't. Um, they're, they're a side that have shown themselves to be very capable so far this season. They got that win on the board against Brentford in late dramatic fashion. But that draw against Liverpool, I know you can say that it was the opening day of the season. They were at home. Fans were behind them, etc., etc. And they were playing a Liverpool side that ultimately got caught a little bit cold. But it's still a very admirable result. And, um, and, and that shouldn't go. Uh, you know, that shouldn't go a begging in our in our thought process going into this one. Uh, Damien Kelly says, why waste my time watching this when you'll pick the same team? Damien, if, if you watched last season or the season before, you'll know that I don't always pick the same team, that I do change it up. But you'd be mad to change the team now. And I don't want to make things up and I don't want to say things that I don't believe just for the effect of the show. Um, I'm sure there will come a point where I do change the team, but it's not going to be uh, today. Uh, Kingsley says, uh, hit the like buttons, people. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, please do. Please do smash that like button. It really, really does help. Uh, I can see there's over 300 of you with me live right now, but we've only got 74 likes on the board, which is nowhere near good enough. Uh, let's try and get that up to uh, 150 ASAP. Like, 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 subscribe to the channel if you are new as well. Um Come on then, let's get some of your questions. Let's get some of your thoughts. Start chucking them in the chat box. And whilst you do that, I just want to quickly bring you up to speed with the latest offering from our partners over at Football Prizes. Let me just share the screen with those of you watching us on YouTube, those of you on audio, do not fear, all will be explained. But if you want your chance to win a Dennis Burkamp signed and custom framed Arsenal shirt, plus the opportunity to win one of 11 instant win prizes, then click the link in the description. Get over to the website and buy yourself a ticket. There are only a handful of tickets left. So you've got to get onto this one quickly because it is an amazing prize. And there's no doubt that although it says competition ends Tuesday 30th of August, there's no doubt in my mind that it's not always... Um, sorry, there's no doubt in my mind that it's definitely not going to be available for that long. 299 tickets available, 254 of which have already been sold, and the tickets cost £4.95. Um, yeah, check it out, and we thank Football Prizes, as always, uh, for their support of the podcast. Uh, Jason says, is this show why you missed Tom's wedding today? No, it isn't. Um, it isn't. Um, without going into too much detail, um, my missus was uh, booked in to have a procedure. Um, and so I couldn't disappear and uh, and leave the kids, basically, um, because I wasn't sure if she was going to be well enough uh, to look after them. So that that's why that's why I'm not at Tom's wedding. I'd have loved to have been there. And I'm going to see Tom, actually, uh, next Friday, a week today. 
at the Gunas versus Cancer event, which you can find the details on if you just search uh, Gunas versus Cancer on Twitter. Live podcast event coming up. Really looking forward to that. It'll be me, Tom, Mike from the Gunas pod. Uh, FK from the Latte Firm will be there as well. And I believe James Benj as well, journalist, uh, will be joining us. Tickets are just a fiver and it's in Hackney, London. So if you're interested in that, come down. All the proceeds go to Gunas versus Cancer. There's an opportunity to win some prizes and lots of other bits and pieces. It's going to be great fun. Uh, the details are on the Gunas versus Cancer Twitter page. So do uh, check it out. OK, let's get some of those questions then. Uh, Mankind says Zaha or Neto. Ooh. Right now, I'd go Wilfred Zaha. In terms of the player who can impact the impact right away, Zaha. But my my reservation about Zaha is he's, he's quite... What's the word? I, there is a word in my mind, but I don't want to use it because I don't think it's fair. I don't want to call him selfish. I don't think that's right. He's an individual. He's a very individual footballer. And he, I guess he's had to be in a Crystal Palace side that hasn't always been up to the standard. And he's carried them through in a lot of ways. And he's had to take things upon himself to do that in a lot of ways. So I do worry about that and how he'd fit into the Arsenal setup. You know, his age, though, and the, the amount of money it's going to cost, it doesn't feel like a worthwhile investment right now. But if you're asking me purely on ability, who do I think could impact this Arsenal team tomorrow? It would be Wilfred Zaha. Um, Wesley Smith says, uh, understanding you don't want to change a winning side. And he says, I would pick the same. But when is the right time to give the other players a look in against the Premier League sides? Well, I think what they've got to do, Wesley, is I think they've got to come off the bench and there will inevitably be opportunities for them to do that. And they've got to make a case. They've got to make a strong case. They've got to come on and they've got to really impact games and give Mikel Arteta something to think about. Outside of that, if the team keeps winning, then for me, they've just got to be patient, keep doing what they're doing in training, work hard, use the Europa League, the Carabao Cup uh, as well uh, to kind of showcase what they can do, wait for those opportunities. And when those opportunities come, as I say, they'll understand the value and importance of them. Hopefully they'll grab them with both hands and hopefully they'll be keeping somebody else out of the team. It, look, invariably, over the course of a Premier League season, players will become unavailable due to injuries, due to fitness issues. Um, illness, et cetera, et cetera. So they will get those opportunities. If I were Mikel Arteta, I wouldn't be sitting in my office stressing about how I'm going to get these guys into the team because they will get those opportunities for me. Um, Lynn Simpson says, I know Fulham will be tough. However, I don't think Marco Silva is as technically minded as Mikel. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I really rated Marco Silva as a manager when he first came to this country. If you remember, he took over the hot, was it whole city? Was that his first job? But he did a really good job there. Um, obviously, went to Watford, had his head turned by Everton, didn't really do great at Everton. But who has done well at Everton? You know, it's such a shit show behind the scenes there. Um, but yeah, you know, he, he did really well with Fulham last season, gets him back into the Premier League. And this is his time to, to shine, I guess. Um what else have I got? Uh, Damien uh, says Fulham will not be underestimated, but they will still be beaten. The back line of theirs is a recipe for disaster against our attack. Yeah, you do. Um, you do. Uh, you do look at that back line and think we can get them for sure. Uh, Yomi says uh, with Neto costing a lot, do you think we could go for a cheaper option or a central midfielder? 
before the end of the window. I, I've been pretty consistent on this, mate. Um, midfielder is is at the top of the list for me. I know it doesn't feel that the club see it that way. It feels as though the club see it differently. It feels as though the club feel that a, a winger is certainly more of a priority and maybe more so now that Nicolas Pepe's gone and Reese Nelson's injured as well, which is something that not many people are talking about. But it's just another layer off of that depth that has been sort of taken away for the time being. Um, Neto is going to cost a lot of money, isn't he? Like, I like the player. I've said it time and time again. I just don't think it's the best use of that money right now. I think the midfielder for me would be at the top of the list. Uh, Gustavo uh, Machuca says, do you think Arsenal can win eight games in a row? Looking at the fixtures, there's no reason why they can't, but it's that game at Old Trafford that I look at and think, oh, here we go. You know, no matter how bad Man United are, no matter how many issues they have, and obviously it looks like typically just a few couple of weeks before we're going to play them, they've hit form again. But no matter what you you think of United, just Old Trafford is just not a happy hunting ground for us. And, um, you know, that, that, that has to be broken at some point. But, you know, mentally, does that play a part? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what else? Um have we got uh, Ayush on a non-related Arsenal question? Uh, but I like this question, so I want to talk about it. Um, thoughts on Cristiano Ronaldo to Napoli. Now, reports have emerged today that Cristiano Ronaldo's representatives have spoken with Napoli over the potential of him making that move. For me, yes, he gives you upturn in the short term. Yes, he gives you goals. Yes, he gives you presence, aura, marketability, commercial value, all of those things. And with Napoli in the Champions League, he might give them that extra boost that they need. People have been, I think, this summer um, sort of underestimating this Napoli side. They've started the season excellently, brought in some really good players. Kvaratskhelia, the one that really, really stands out, the young Georgian who they're calling Kvaradona at the moment. Um, but I, I just think the upside with Cristiano Ronaldo is obviously there, but the downside is um, is often something that sets clubs back quite a bit after he departs. You, especially Italian clubs, for whom finances are a bit more of a problem. He was a big resource drain on Juventus, and that's why ultimately they wanted to move him on. But perhaps more significantly than that, the fact that he was there, I think, stunted their development as a team. It meant they could only play in a certain way. It caused problems for certain managers, despite them having one of the greatest of all time in their team, which is obviously on the surface a real positive. It limited them tactically to what they could do. And I just think the after effects now of Cristiano Ronaldo and the way he plays at 37, 38 years of age, in terms of you from a footballing perspective, but also from a financial one, are not always worth the risk, the gamble. I think that's why he's struggled to find a club. Um, for those reasons, people will be looking at Juventus, particularly the Italian club should be looking at Juventus, but what a statement it would be for Napoli if they could do it. I, I don't see it personally. I'd be shocked if it goes through and I'd be worried about the aftershocks of that deal for a club like Napoli. But hey, um, stranger things have happened. Uh, Nicola says, how much of an impact do you think our new medical staff will make this season? Why did they make those changes? Also, will the ref changes be good for the Arsenal? Um, 
there were some changes behind the scenes, I think, with regards to the medical staff. But um, I still think it's headed up by the same man, um, same people that have been there for a while. Listen, I, I think there's a it, it's really hard because we talk about injuries nowadays and injuries are everywhere with every team. There are players that are more prone to them than others, of course. And, and I think you have to be mindful of that when managing them, when managing their minutes, their playing time, all of those factors. But we've just had some really unprecedented seasons, haven't we? COVID, um, that had an impact. The the number of games that we had to fit in then had a knock-on effect on people's fitness fatigue. The more fatigued you are, the more likely you are to pick up injuries. Um, and then again, we've got this crap this season with the World Cup being slap bang in the middle of it. Listen, lots of people are very unhappy at the fact that Qatar are hosting the World Cup. I don't know enough about the reasons that people are anti it. And when I say the reasons, I'm talking about the um, off the pitch reasons, right? The the human rights stuff. I don't know enough about that to be able to comment or give an informed opinion on it. But that's not because it's not important. It's just because I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not in a position to comment about stuff like that. But I am in a position to comment on the impact it's going to have on the football calendar. And I think it is diabolical that we've allowed a World Cup to be put into the middle of a domestic season, a European season. What does that do to squads? How do managers plan? You know, you could have a team high flying at the top of the league, look destined to win their first championship for God knows how many years. The Arsenal, for example. And they could come back from the World Cup with two, three key players injured and, and have their entire challenge derailed. If it happens when you're playing for your club, well, nothing can be done about that. But can you imagine the frustration we will feel if we lose key players to their national teams because a World Cup was put slap bang in the middle of the season? I just don't like it. It doesn't sit right with me. Um, but it does have a knock on impact on, on, the, on the fitness side of things. And therefore... It's another season in which I don't really want to be, regardless of what happens, too harsh on the medical staff who are having to deal with the crap created off the back of this bad decision. Uh, the ref changes. Yeah, we've seen a few different referees um, taking up the whistle in the Premier League, which has been a good thing, I guess. Um, Howard Webb is taking over um, at the PGMOL. Howard Webb was another one of those uh, referees that, I wasn't particularly fond of, shall we leave it at that, uh, during his days as a, a Premier League referee. So I'm not sure that I'm entirely happy with that or I can say that that's going to help Arsenal. But what I can say is, at the very least, he was a much better referee, even if I didn't agree with all his decisions, than Mike Riley, who is just uh, who's going to be vacating that position. Thank God it's about time. We've spoken to Keith Hackett on this podcast a number of times. Keith Hackett was the head of the PGMOL in the past. He was somebody who's been a, a revolutionary in the refereeing world over the years and is still very connected to the game. And he's talked time and time again about the need for change right at the top of that organisation. And, you know, let's not knock it before it's happened. Let's not knock Howard Webb before he's had a chance to make any changes or make a difference. But he can't be as bad as Mike Riley is, is my simple thoughts on that. Um... Artur says, uh, Arthur, I beg your pardon. I'm so used to saying Artur like the Brazilian midfielder. Uh, Harry, if Saka wasn't our player and was linked to us for £80 million, what would your opinion be? Considering his stats aren't the greatest, just like Neto's, but performances are always class. 
based on the way he started this season, I'd be reluctant to pay £80 million for Mikhail Saka. Output's not always there, as we've discussed on numerous occasions here on this podcast. Um, but performances outside of that have largely been very positive. Again, he hasn't started the season great, but I wouldn't be making my judgment on three games. If somebody was to offer us 80 million for Bukayo Saka, I would consider it. Yeah, a lot of people ain't going to like that or agree with it. I would consider it. I think every player's got their price. And, um, and listen, I think it's naive to think that having watched KSE seemingly back the club to and, and people say it's it's not their money it's the clubs it's, it's their club it's their money having watched them back Mikel Arteta and Edu in the way that they have even when the revenue streams have been badly impacted a by Covid b by our absence from the Champions League etc etc you have to I think process in your mind from now and understand from now that there will be a time where they'll be looking as a football club to stop this, to stop having to keep laying out money and to go back to that self-sufficient model that we've heard about so often. And while we can praise them for the much smarter recruitment strategy and the way they go about bringing people in, they will inevitably at some point look to move people on when the prices are right. And so we have to make sure that we don't get complacent around this because I think it will happen. And if you expect it to happen, it's easier to process and easier to deal with. I'm not saying Bukayo Saka is going to be the one. What I am saying is that part of the recruitment strategy that we've all been really positive about is, is based around sell-on value and what we believe a player's sell-on value could be. And that has given Arsenal the confidence that they can go that extra mile in terms of prices on some players because they'll know that that asset will still be valuable two, three, four, maybe even five years down the line. I'd consider an 80 million offer for any of our players. I would. Um, I think you have to. But I don't want to see anybody leave right now. Um, Harry Thomas says, hi, Harry. I'm looking to source data for footballers. Can you recommend any site? Um, I use a few. I use Transfermarkt. I use Who Scored. I use SofaScore. I use FB Ref sometimes. Yeah, there's there's a whole host of them, man, and they're all good for different things. So um, check them out. Uh, what else have we got in the chat box? <laughs> Kingsley Opara says, uh, "Can we get maximum points for our next five games? And should the fans be carried away if we do this?" It's kind of linked to the question that we talked about earlier. Can Arsenal take maximum points or can Arsenal be on eight wins after eight games? Yeah, of course they can. Should the fans get carried away though? No, no, not yet. <laughs> um, Harry Thomas says, would you do a show for aspiring bloggers or journalists football-wise? Would it be something you consider? Yeah, yeah. Um, let me know some thoughts on that. What, what do people want? Um, not that I'm someone to learn from, but yeah. Um, open open to most things within reason. Uh, Jason says, do you think we aren't going in hard for Tielemans now just to go in with a cheeky bid in January to really reduce the cost or even on free next summer? Well, Tom Canton reported not that long ago that Arsenal would be more than willing to wait until next summer to do that deal and essentially sign the player on a free. Still a tiny part of me that thinks Arsenal may, right at the back end of this window, 
go and table an offer that's a little bit closer to what Leicester are looking for, but still shy of it. And just giving it one more go, one more rattling of the cage, particularly if this carries on with Tielemans and Fafana not being in the Leicester starting eleven because Brendan Rodgers believes that mentally they're not there. Interesting. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, um, Lynn says, uh, have you seen Xhaka's interview today? I haven't. Uh, I will be sure to check that out, though, uh, for sure. Uh, M says, uh, Harry, can you kidnap Mitrovic for a few hours and replace him and then have a howler, please? Thank you, mate. <laughs> yeah, that would be easy, wouldn't it? <laughs> Uh, people not liking my 80 million comment on Bukayo Saka. I guess when you think that Anthony, for example, is being talked about 90, 95 million, I guess you got a point. Um, big hello to Mohammed as well, uh, who says, Hi, Harry, I do not agree with your point of view that we don't need a winger. My opinion is we need a winger badly. We only have Saka and Martinelli. Any other names that can play there do not have the same energy. Yeah, I mean, they're different types of players, isn't it? There's no question about that. Um, I'm not saying, though, that we don't need a winger. I'd love a winger. I'm just saying that I feel there's a greater need for a midfielder. So if I can only have one, and I don't expect Arsenal to bring in more than one between now and the window closing, then I would lean towards the midfielder. But again, just, just my opinion. Okay. Um, thank you all so, so much for tuning in. I'm aware that I haven't given you my prediction for the Fulham Arsenal game, which I'm going to give you now. I wanted to save it right till the end. Um, and also, let us know in the chat uh, while I'm kind of doing the outro part where it is that you're joining us from. Start spamming it in the chat box now. I'm always interested to know where people are tuning in from. Um, but yeah, my prediction is Arsenal 2, Fulham 0. That's my prediction. I think Fulham are going to be difficult. I think they're going to be stubborn. I think we will find the breakthrough. I'm hoping that we get an early goal because, as I've talked about, it's so important for this Arsenal side. But, yeah, I think Arsenal should take maximum points from this and um, anything less would feel like a big opportunity missed given the fixtures have been kind to us. And, and But we've got to take advantage of that, haven't we? Really, really do. OK, uh, let's see where people are joining us from. Um, also, stay tuned. I did mention on a recent episode that we're going to be making a big change to our membership proposition. We're going to be going over to a new app um, through which you can sign up to the Chronicles of Aguna and you'll be getting access to exclusive content, which is starting from next week. You'll also um, be supporting the podcast, whether you're an audio listener or a YouTube viewer, um, in a much more efficient way. And I'll explain why in a video that I'm going to be putting out when we do go live on there. Um, so stay tuned for that. If anybody's got any questions about that, any concerns, please do send me a message. Um, I, I really appreciate you guys' feedback. Without you, there is no membership group. So yeah, please do let me know. Those in the Discord server, especially the existing members, please do let me know. And uh, And if you're in the chat, and you would consider becoming a member and supporting the Chronicles of Aguna, getting access to that exclusive content, leave me a thumbs up in the comments uh, just so I can gauge the interest. Uh, right, let's go through the chat then. Jason is in North Hertfordshire. We've got South Africa, Malaysia, Cali, uh, Munich. We've got Delhi. We've got East London, India, Malmo, 
we've got Peru. Wow. Uh, we've got Haggerston Road, Hackney. Nice and specific. Love that. We've got Iceland. We've got Arkansas. Uh, we've got Singapore. We've got Bodo Glimt. <laughs> I don't know if that's serious or not. Uh, we've got Switzerland. Uh, Outer Mongolia, says Terence Tibbs. Okay. Uh, Kenya. Um, I say that because I don't believe you're in Outer Mongolia. Uh, we've got Portmore, Jamaica. We've got Cali. Uh, we've got Amsterdam. We've got Earth. Nice of you to be insightful there. Uh, we've got Mars as well. Look at that going right around the solar system. Uh, we've got Jim, who's in N1. Uh, what else have we got? London, Washington. Um Cardiff, San Jose, California, Dubai, Augsburg, Nigeria, Georgia, Peckham, uh, Barnet, the Red Park, Damian Kelly's in Jamaica. We've got Silicon Valley, Namibia, Princeton, uh, Henry's in Stepney tonight. And we've got uh, Almeria in Spain, Kenya to Putney to brilliant, brilliant stuff. Give me a thumbs up if you'd be interested um, in the membership proposition that we're going to be putting out some more information on over the coming days. Um, because as I say, we do have a membership scheme at the moment. You can stay with the YouTube one if you like, uh, but there are reasons, reasons that benefit both you and the podcast um, that we're looking to make this move. And um, yeah, again, I don't want to rush into nothing without people being um, informed. And I want any concerns that people have to, um, to be raised and, and, you know, let me know basically, because I know that it's a shit time as well. Uh, cost of living ain't great. And, um, yeah, we had some bad news about that yesterday in the UK. So I, I want, um, I want feedback from people, good, valid feedback. And, um, I look forward to, uh, seeing lots of you in the uh, new app and, um, yeah, lots more content to come, lots more written work to come, lots more video to come, lots more audio to come. Anyway, Catch you all tomorrow after the game between Arsenal and Fulham, unless some big transfer news breaks in between. Take care of yourselves. Enjoy your Friday night. I'll be back soon with more. Until then, take care. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.